0: Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Well, we made it to
1: Ephesians chapter three. Come on. Someone, I, I don't remember who, but someone asked me this morning. They're like, tell me you're going to do like 17 chapters today to get rushes through. No, three verses, three verses. I thought that Andrew would be pretty disappointed in me if I did more than that. Um, so, you know, got to honor the boss. Guys, um, if you don't know me, by the way, my name's is Spencer. Um, this is my wife, Ashley. Just, she's the most beautiful girl in the room, so it's easy to find. Um, we're the youth pastors here at Mountain Park, and uh, I sing a lot, too. Um, And we're, man, we love this church so much. It's the greatest thing of all. And uh, I just want to honor someone who's not here, our pastor, Andrew. He, man, is a man of God. If you don't know him, you should get to know him. Um, I don't know what to say without tearing up, but him and Rochelle have... Man, invested not only into our family, but our staff. And you, if you've experienced them, even for an ounce, um, they're amazing people. And and there is not many people on the planet that I could look to and say, I follow them like I follow Christ, but Pastor Andrew is one of them, wholeheartedly. I will follow him wherever he leads. So if you don't know him, get to know him. If you don't trust him, trust him, because he's a good man. The title of my message today is The Captivated Prisoner. We're going to be talking about Ephesians 3, verses 1 to 3. Like I always invite our students to take notes, I'm going to invite you to take notes, not because something that I say is important. I'm not very smart like Pastor Andrew is. I'm not, like, super educated. Um, But the Word of God is powerful and true. It's statistically proven that when you write things down, you remember them better. And I always tell students that every note you take is like a kick in the teeth to the devil. It's true. It's in the Bible. Look it up. It's not actually in the Bible. That was a joke. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's us. So we're going to be talking about Paul in his time in prison. Um, Can I get a hand raised for any high school students in the house today? Where are my people at? Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Can I get a hand raised for any high school parents in the house? Yeah, come on. You're my people too. I love you guys. Respect. Um, I uh, really loved high school. I have to say that because, you know, I pastor students, so I have to teach them to like high school. Right, parents? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, high school was like rough for me. Um, not just because I was, didn't like it, you know, teenager. Um, and there's this one time, I'm not going to name any names because I know I have at least a few ex-teachers. In the house, so I'm not gonna say who it was or anything. But I remember this one time. There's this one class that everyone takes in uh, grade ten. I'm gonna get specific, so everyone knows what I'm talking about. Just kidding. Um, and we we're watching the movie Rudy. Has everyone seen Rudy? Come on. If you haven't seen it, you need to fix that. It's like the greatest soundtrack score of all time. It's true. You should listen to it. Good, good, good movie. Um, and we were watching Rudy, and I um, am a very solitude. Um, what's the word? introverted young man. Um, so I didn't talk at all, ever, in high school. That's the joke. It's sarcasm. Um, I talked a lot, a lot. And, and I remember all throughout my elementary, high school career. Career. Um, <laughs> it's hard work, guys. Don't joke. And uh, always the feedback from teachers is that I talk a lot. Always, always, always. So there's this one class, and we were watching the movie Rudy, and I... Literally would not stop talking, obviously, because, you know, everything I have to say is awesome. And there was, like, those desks um, where it's, like, not the chair and desk are separated, but the desk and the chair are together by a metal pole. You all know what I'm talking about. And I was talking a lot. And instead of being like, hey, Spencer, could you please be quiet? Like, that would be really respectful. I got... Somehow like an earthquake started going underneath me and I soon realized that a teacher was, had grabbed the back of my chair and was dragging me across the classroom in front of every single one of my friends to the very front of the room where the movie was being played, lifted up the projector and then pulled the projector down in front of my face. And I had to sit there with everyone looking at the bottom half of me for the entire movie. That's prison if I ever knew one. Just saying. Just kidding. It wasn't that bad. I didn't have to watch Rudy. Well, I didn't I don't know, you know. Ephesians has been the coolest thing ever. Just to recap, we have gone through um, chapters one and two. And we are now on chapter three. I think this is week 16, so you know how long we're taking. Um, And... The whole synopsis of kind of where we've been so far is that there's a natural realm and a supernatural realm. And they're interlocked. They're interlinked. You can't separate them at all. Everything that happens in the natural affects the supernatural. And definitely everything that happens in the supernatural affects the natural. And there's this man. His name's Jesus. And he is the top dog of both realms. You see, he's the name above all names. Am I right? He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He's the alpha and the omega. One pastor always told me, if, that, if there has a name, if there's a situation, a sickness, a disease, a situation, a broken heart, anything that has a name, the name of Jesus is greater than that name. I don't care if it's cancer, the name of Jesus is greater. I don't care if it's any sort of sickness, the name of Jesus is greater. I don't care if it's divorce, the name of Jesus of Jesus is greater. He is greater than every other name. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the great I Am. He's the first and the last. The Bible says he's the visible image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. He is the name. Can we get excited about Jesus today in the church? Come on. Jesus is the name above all names. Come on, if you're a construction worker today, he's the chief cornerstone. If you're the baker here in the house today, he's the bread of life. If you're a construction worker, he's the door. Come on, church. Can we get excited about the name of Jesus in the house today? If you're a lawyer, he is the great judge. If you're a bodybuilder, he's the almighty one. Ready? If you're a drug dealer, he is the most high. Come on, church. He is the greatest name above every single name. He is honored and glorified in both realms. If you're a doctor, he's the great physician. If you're a winemaker, hello, Nato, he is the true vine. Come on, church. He is the greatest name above every name. And he is Lord over the natural and the supernatural. That's chapter one. Chapter two, he has saved you of much. By grace, through faith, you were saved. You were a sinner, and now you're not. You were a sinner, but now you're not. You're not a sinner anymore. Jesus Christ has completely transformed your life. The Bible says that if anyone is Christ, he is a new creation. I tell my students this, like every single week, that word new doesn't mean like fixed It doesn't mean like he took a bunch of broken pieces and hot glued them together. It means prototype. It means brand new creation. You're not the same person you were before. Jesus Christ saved you from much and he is Lord overall. and here's what he's building. He's building the church. He's building the church here and now today. Not Mountain Park, not any other church in the Niagara region, the capital C church. That is what he's building. We are a part of it But he's interested in the growth and the force of the church here today. And he's moving. So, just if you haven't been here to give you some context, um, this is one, Ephesians is one of the four prison epistles, is what um, we call it today. And Paul is currently, right now, as he's writing this book, imprisoned under house arrest under a Roman guard. He's physically chained to a Roman guard at all times for two years. And this is in that two-year gap of the prison epistles that he's writing. So he's literally a prisoner right here, right now. And the goal of writing this book to the church of Ephesus was that they would grow up and mature to be the body of Christ that he created to be, to be the church that God is building. Isn't that what we want, to be the church that God is building? Can I get an amen? There's four times in the prison epistles alone plus 2 Timothy that Paul calls himself a prisoner for Jesus Christ. And several other times, I think four, um, I don't know for sure so don't call me. He, uh, he refers to his chains or I'm an ambassador in my chains. That's Let's say ten times Paul refers to himself as a prisoner for Christ. And this is one of them, Ephesians 3, verses 1. So Paul's literally in prison. Let me read that first part again. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written. Briefly, would you turn your Bibles to uh, Philippians one, Philippians one, chap- verses twelve to fourteen. Every time do you flip through Bibles, you have to go Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I do. Philippians one, verses twelve to fourteen. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it became known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I love that. The whole imperial guard knows. Every single soldier that keeps him captive. Okay, let me give you some context. Nero is the Roman emperor at the time. Paul gets put in imprisonment because he's preaching gospel to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are anyone who's not a Jewish person. So pretty much everyone in this room, unless you're a Jewish person, if you are, God chose you, God bless you. That's awesome. But pretty much all of us are Gentiles. So, so Paul, this mystery that he's talking about, which we'll get to, is that the gospel's for everyone. The gospel's for everyone. The gospel's for everyone. Glad we got that again. Resolve, And the rest, and to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ. See, Paul knows in his heart that Nero's, I'm not a captive to Nero. I'm not a prisoner to Nero, I'm a prisoner to Christ. What I've done is for Christ. You see, man can try and stop what the Lord is doing And seemingly so, imagine, put yourself in Paul's shoes. He's literally imprisoned because of preaching the gospel. I don't know about you, but if that were me, I wouldn't be singing in the midnight. I wouldn't be, I'm just being honest. I would like to say I would. But I would say, okay, it's over. I kind of have to just wait this out and see what's going to happen. My ministry is done until I'm out of here. No. No. The whole imperial guard, the Roman soldier that he's physically attached to right now knows in his mind that I'm not a prisoner to you, I'm a prisoner to Christ. See, the church has a spiritual responsibility to be captive to Christ. I'm not saying that all of us are called to like be in prison. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is all of us are called to be sold out to Christ. What I'm saying is each and every one of us are not called to be captive to your situation. Each one of you are not called to be captive to your broken home. Each one of you are not called to be broken, sorry, captive to your sickness. Oh, it's all over. No, it's not over. You belong to Christ. See, he made you a new creation. You don't belong to what you were. You don't belong to the brokenness that you're experiencing. You belong to Christ. You're a captive to him. And when we switch our perspective, everything changes and you actually become continually more effective. Even in the brokenness. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my mouth. It's not, I will praise the Lord sometimes when I feel like it. That's not, I will praise the Lord because things are really good right now, and I'm on the mountaintop at every single moment in my life, whether it's in the prison, whether it's in the camp, whether it's in the hospital, whether it's in the home. I will praise the Lord. We have a spiritual Big Sea Church. We're talking about the Big Sea Church today, not Mountain Park. We're a part of it. But the Big Sea Church is what God's building. We have a responsibility to step up and be captive to Christ. We are a part of what the Bible calls the bride of Christ. We are unified and married to him as the big C church. We can't say in Revelation, it says the spirit and the bride say come as we're calling Jesus to come and return to um, his second coming on the earth. We can't say the spirit and the bride. We can't be the bride saying come if we're not sold out to him and we're captive to that. We can't say calm. We can't experience what he wants to do in our lives if we're bound to other things or bound to what we used to do, especially sin. We can't be effective if we're bound to what we used to be bound to. A bride waiting for her husband is fully sold out in expectation of Having that marriage union. When my, 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 la, 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 la. when my wife and I were about to get married, we, um, we decided and discerned that we were going to fast each other for a week before our wedding. So we need to see each other for seven days before our wedding. Can I tell you something? It sucked. It was the worst. <laughs> but it was the most beautiful thing of all time. Because when the doors opened at the church and I saw my bride... Wept like a baby, like mad hard. You probably see, I'm pretty famous, just so you know. You probably see me in like YouTube compilations of husbands crying, just saying, it's a true fact. <laughs> I love my wife a lot. Um, but <laughs> but uh, that, that seven days of not seeing her built that expectation in me. I was fully sold out to my wife. If, I'm not going to use myself, but if a person was doing the same thing, and was unfaithful during that period of seven days, and then he saw his bride, the moment probably wouldn't have been as good. The moment probably wouldn't have felt as good because he wasn't waiting in expectation fully devoted and sold out to his wife. But when we are fully devoted, fully sold out, fully bound, fully captive to Christ Jesus, those moments that we receive and the moment we see him, So much better. When we get to heaven and see Jesus face to face, we have an account, have to give an account for every single thing that we've done and said in our whole entire lives. Not that there's not grace. Obviously, there is. We're saved by grace through faith. But I don't know about you, but I want to look at Jesus and be found as faithful as I possibly can be. In the life that I have here on earth, I want to be found faithful, that I was a good steward of my family, that I was a good steward of my own spiritual responsibility to stay bound and captive to Christ Jesus himself.
0: Whoa. (laughs) Your
1: kids are safe. Your kids are loved. Jesus is moving in the basement. (laughs) the lower room. Am I right? All right. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. So I'm a prisoner for Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. Like Philippians 1 said, I want you to know that what's happened to me has really been to serve the advance of the gospel. Paul received his mandate and his mission to bring the gospel to the Gentile people and to reveal the mystery that the gospel's for them and for everyone. And the church has a mandate and a mantle and a mission to give Jesus what he paid for. A world transformed. The gospel's for everyone, am I right? The Bible says who's gonna hear it if there's not a preacher? What's that scripture? Blessed are those, the feet, the walk in the name of the Lord, something like that. I know the Bible, don't worry. Um, <laughs> we have a mission and a mandate to give Jesus what he paid for. There's no bench warmers in the, in the gospel. There's no bench warmers in the church, there's no bench warmers in the family of God. We have a mission and a mandate to go into your schools, to go into your universities, to go into your workplace, to go into your homes, your families, to bring the truth that the gospel is for everyone. Paul says, my chains, I wanna be remembered by my chains, they're not for me, they're that you may know Christ. We have responsibility not to go to prison so that people can, although, you know, God bless you, um, can know Christ. But we have a responsibility to bring the gospel where we go. It's just true facts. That is what it is. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. This is the Great Commission. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, this is the famous Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm always with you to the end of the age. Lawrence Tribble, is a man, he wrote this poem. It says, one man awake, awakens another. The second awakens his next door brother. The three awake can rouse a town by turning the whole place upside down. The many awake can cause us such a fuss, it finally awakens the rest of us. One man up with dawn in his eyes, surely then it multiplies. Come on church, it just takes one. It just takes one. It just takes one person here today that says, you know what? I am done being captive to the things of my past. I'm done being captive to the stuff, the habitual sin that I'm in now. And I choose to be captive to Christ. And one man, one woman, one son or daughter awake awakens the rest of us. It just takes one. The church started this way. Jesus showed up on the scene and he changed everything. And it takes one person that says, here I am, send me. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord search to and fro all across the whole earth to strengthen those who are wholly devoted to him. Wholly devoted to him. Not partially, not a little bit, not the leftovers. All of it. Wholly devoted to him. Those are the people that get strengthened from the Lord and it just takes one. We as the church need to stand up. In our lives as the church, we need to stand up. The benches are plenty warm. We have a responsibility and a mandate to bring the gospel where we go. Sell out Christians, don't cultivate transformation. Sold out Christians do. Second Thessalonians 2, verses 6 and 7 Write this down, 2 Thessalonians 2, 6, and 7. And you know what is restraining him, him being the Antichrist. This is talking about the revelation and second coming of Jesus. And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. There's huge debate about who that he is that's restraining the Antichrist from releasing lawlessness into the earth before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I wholeheartedly believe it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's work and activity on the earth globally that is restraining that outbreak. Who does the Holy Spirit work through? You. You. The church. The Holy Spirit is the one who lives in you. We pray to Jesus. We pray to the Father. It's the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Jesus is present. Jesus comes. His presence changes us. But it's the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And if the Holy Spirit's who's the one who is holding back, that means he's waiting for the church, Big C Church, to get up off of its sea and to go into the world. Why is he holding back? if he didn't millions and millions millions of people would go to hell because the number in which those that need to be saved the number in which that we need to stand up the church isn't done the church come on the church isn't done The church isn't done working on the earth. The church isn't done, it's alive and it's moving. It's a force to be reckoned with, but not when we sit on the sidelines. Come on, church, when we get up and we go into our streets, when we go into our schools and our workplaces, then, then the church moves. Then the gospel is preached. Then life transformation happens. But he's waiting for us. He's waiting for us to get it. He's waiting for us to understand that we have a responsibility and a mandate to see the lost reached. And I don't know about you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you because it's my life too that needs this. Especially as a pastor that's in a church most of the week, I need to get off my butt and get into the streets, get into my workplace, get into my friends that don't know Jesus' life so they can experience the same life transformation that I have. It's for everyone. The gospel's for everyone. It's for everyone. Say for everyone. Amen. Jesus didn't die for the church to be a country club. He died for it to be a hospital. That those who are lost can come in here. That you who are saved can go out there. And experience the life transforming power that Jesus has for you. We say it every week, and we'll say it every week until Jesus returns. Jesus can change your life. Jesus can change your mom's life who doesn't know Him. Jesus can change your best friend's life who doesn't know Him. And Jesus can change your life who do know Him. As long as there is still breath in your lungs, from the oldest person in the room to the youngest person downstairs, Jesus can change your life, whether you've known him for 50 years or five. Let's get our hopes up. Let's let faith arise within us. Let's stir it up within us. Jesus isn't done working on the earth. Am I right? In verse three. For this reason I Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. Can you flip your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22 starting in verse 17. If you don't know, Acts is written by Luke, the same Luke that wrote the Gospel, Luke. And this is an account of the outbreak of the Holy Spirit and all the things and miracles that he did through the apostles and the believers post Jesus' ascension to heaven. This is about Paul. It says, When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. That would hurt. It was a joke. And saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that I, sorry, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments for those who killed him. And he said, go, for I will send you. This is Jesus speaking to Paul. Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This is the mystery right here that Paul experienced by revelation that he's talking about. When he says in verse 3, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. That's the mystery. That the gospel's for everyone, the gospel's for Gentiles, and that's the revelation. When Paul fell into a trance, this is the revelation he's talking about. Let's take it back a couple chapters to Acts 9. This is when it gets good. And this is Paul's conversion, the road to Damascus. This is Paul's very first revelation and experience with Christ Jesus. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, the way is like the movement of people who believe in Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. Ben, I'm going to invite you to come on up. Ben's going to help me out with something. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and I will will tell you what you will do. Let's fast forward a little bit. That's Paul's first revelation and experience with Christ. We kind of all know what happens. Ananias shows up and uh, Paul's like, yo, or Jesus like, yo, Ananias, go talk to Paul. And Ananias is like, nah, dude, Paul's scary. And then Jesus is like, yeah, you're going to do it. And this is what he says. Rise, this is Jesus talking to Ananias. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. To carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. This is Ben. Ben's my intern. He's awesome. He is like the coolest dude God's working in his life. I'm going to use him as a demonstration. Don't worry. It's good. It's good. Before we know Jesus, how's that? We're going to start a rap group called Chains. Two Chains, get it? (laughs) Just kidding, calm down. Relax, it's a joke. Before we know Jesus, we are bound up, right? 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 He's the chain breaker, right? He breaks the chains that, of sin that we were once bound to, right? He's the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. He is that man, right? He does it all. He's the chain breaker. So when Jesus shows up on the scene and Ben surrenders his life to Jesus, Jesus breaks the chains that's off of his life. Done. Gone. He is now a new creation. Saved. Healed. Delivered. Fully whole in Jesus Christ. But it doesn't finish there. Jesus takes our old chains. They were supposed to be rusty, but they're kind of gold and these are kind of silver, so just play with me. Those are old. Those are old. Chains are broken. And Jesus says, use your imagination with me. Those are your new chains. I broke those off for you, but it's your choice to pick those up. You see, I broke these off for you so that you could be wholly devoted to me. And it's not that we're being bound to anything. Put that on. (laughs) But Jesus, right? Let's do that again one more time for dramatic effect. Take that off. Put it down. Put this on. You put it on. I only got one hand, man. Come on. (laughs) Jesus shows up on the scene. You don't know him. He changes your life forever. You were addicted. You were broken. You were hurt. You were helpless. You were hopeless. You were shameful. You were broken. And Jesus comes up. He says, you know what, son? You don't got to worry about that anymore. I broke your chains. They're gone. You're free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But if Ben stays in this state, there's a big fat void around his neck. Now, he's free to do what he wills, right? God gives us free will. He's free to do what he wills. Is he going to be bound to Christ? Or is he going to leave that void open for those old chains to come back? What's he going to do? What's he going to do? You probably want to pick them up. That's the right thing to do. And we put on our new chains being bound to Christ, not in literal prison, just so we're all on the same page, but sold out, wholly devoted to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Give Ben a round of applause. Love you, dude. Here's a beautiful thing I want you guys to get. Jesus says, For he is a chosen instrument of my name to carry, sorry, of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Paul knew in that moment, right there at his first revelation, that he was called to be a prisoner for Christ that he was called to be bound to Christ. That was, that's my beautiful baby. She's perfect. Her name is Ivory Rose. I love her. Sorry to sing that. Yo, babe, love you. Long time. Um, he knew in that moment that he was called to be a prisoner for Christ. He knew that in him could not fulfill what God was calling him to do. So he bound himself to Christ. If he hadn't, If Paul hadn't, he would have never experienced the second revelation that Jesus gave him to say, go, the Gentiles will know the gospel. You see, you have to get free to then get captive to stay captivated. You can't experience captivation from Jesus Christ if you're not a captive to him. If you're not bound to Christ yourself, you can experience the greatest chain-breaking moment in your entire life. But if you don't stay bound to him, you're never going to experience him more and more and more and more and more. I almost fell. <laughs> yeah, Brandon and Jess and the team, I can. you guys can come on. Um If you don't stay captive to Christ, you can't stay captivated by him. It just doesn't work. You don't get the goods without the relationship. You don't get the goods without being submitted and surrendered to the name of Jesus. You get free so that you can get bound only to Christ himself. And once you are free, you have a responsibility to stay captive to him or else you're not going to stay captivated by him. What does this mean for us? It means we, one, as the church, as the bride of Christ, have a calling to captivity to Christ Jesus. It's our calling. It's our mandate. We don't get the moment and then get to do what we want. We have a responsibility. Number two, we have a calling to stay captive, to see a world transformed. Remember, cello Christians don't transform lives. They don't cultivate transformation. Sold out Christians do. Number three, we have to stay captive, to stay captivated. I feel so strongly in the Big C Church, and maybe here today, I don't know, I hope, that you've experienced that first chain breaking. You've experienced him break things off in your life. You've experienced the weight of your guilt and shame being lifted off your shoulders. But maybe it's come back. Maybe you picked it back up. What Jesus wants to do in your heart today is open up your mind to realize that you get free by him but you stay free by you. How you want to walk out your healing is your responsibility. How you want to walk out your salvation is your responsibility. I feel so strongly that we come back and we have these mountaintop moments where we come to the end of ourselves and we're like, Jesus, you're good, you're faithful, you're the way maker, I need you. And he breaks off those chains, and then we just go back to life as it was. And it's so much easier to do the older you get. I know I'm, like, an expert in the faith because I'm, like, really mature and old, but I find the older I get, I'm (laughs) I'm being serious, the older I get... um, the more I realize that the older you get, the harder it is to be persistent and to stay healed, to go for it, to get on my knees, to pursue Jesus. You know, life has its responsibilities, it has its busyness. So I feel like the older we get, the more stagnant it is Easier to become. And I feel so strongly today that if you've maybe picked up those chains again, Jesus wants to break them. But most importantly, he wants to teach you how to take his and stay bound to him. And then obviously, number two, if you've never experienced that first chain-breaking revelation of Christ Jesus, you gotta do it today. Today's your day. Today is the day of salvation. If you've never experienced God move in your life and cut off the sin, cut off the shame, cut off the guilt, give you hope, give you a future, he has a plan to prosper your life, you just gotta accept it and surrender. Jesus gave you your whole life. His, sorry, back up. Jesus gave you his whole life. Everything, everything he was, he gave it all up for you. And the only thing he asks is that you would do the same. I'm not gonna tell you it's just an easy yes and call it a Sunday and move on. It's gonna cost your life. But it is the most thrilling, joyful, consistent, beautiful life that you could possibly walk in.
0: We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.